in beautiful North Florida celebrating two years of color commentary, it's in black and white. And now your host, the baby-faced assassin of freedom, Jerry Brooks. Now following our second place finish in Iowa, we've prayed and deliberated on the way forward. If there was anything I could do to produce a favorable outcome, more campaign stops, more interviews, I would do it. But I can't ask our supporters to volunteer their time and donate their resources if we don't have a clear path to victory. Accordingly, I am today suspending my campaign. I'm proud to have delivered on 100% of my promises, and I will not stop now. It's clear to me that a majority of Republican primary voters want to give Donald Trump another chance. They watch his presidency get stymied by relentless resistance, and they see Democrats using lawfare this day to attack him. Well, I've had disagreements with Donald Trump, such as on the coronavirus pandemic and his elevation of Anthony Fauci, Trump is superior to the current incumbent, Joe Biden. That is clear. I signed a pledge to support the Republican nominee, and I will honor that pledge. He has my endorsement because we can't go back to the old Republican guard of yesteryear, a repackaged form of warmed-over corporatism that Nikki Haley represents. The days of putting Americans last, of kowtowing to large corporations, of caving to woke ideology are over. Before we begin, I'd like to take time to congratulate Ron DeSantis and, of course, a really terrific person who had gotten to know his wife, Casey, for having run a great campaign for president. He did. He ran a, a really good campaign, I will tell you. It's not easy. They think it's easy doing this stuff, right? It's not easy. But as you know, he left the campaign trail today at 3 p.m., and in so doing, he was very gracious, and he endorsed me, so I appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, patriots of all ages, welcome to In Black and Right, the new definition of color commentary. As we start a brand new week of adventures in podcasting, here we are on the eve of the New Hampshire primary. Now, what you heard uh, as sort of a cold open today was Governor DeSantis's uh, withdrawal speech and concession speech and his endorsement of Donald Trump, which was very gracious and very kind uh, in many respects. And President Trump last night during his rally in New Hampshire was also very magnanimous and very gracious uh, in accepting uh, Governor DeSantis's withdrawal. So, we, so tomorrow, it is now essentially a two-person race. And frankly, Nikki Haley, I really do not understand what's going on here in her mind. I'm no psychologist or psychiatrist, but somehow, if and frankly, I have to say, Governor DeSantis, uh, you know, thank you for not protracting this mess longer than you probably wanted, because the waste of money and resources was just hideous. But I don't know what uh, Nikki Haley's really thinking. She she's behind in the polls in New Hampshire. Uh, that doesn't exactly help. 
Plus, something else that didn't help today, uh, Nancy Mace, Congresswoman from South Carolina, also endorsed President Trump, which is pretty amazing considering she hasn't exactly been MAGA's favorite, but I think she's a practical enough person to realize when you had Saturday night in his speech, you had essentially the entire leadership of the state of South Carolina right there speaking to President Trump, well, speaking for President Trump at the rally, and essentially it was a message. Hey, Nikki, uh, no, you have some endorsements, but when you have Henry McMaster, the governor of South Carolina, the lieutenant governor of South Carolina, the attorney general of South Carolina, the speaker of the South Carolina House, uh, the state treasurer, and members of the South Carolina Republican delegation to the House, right there, showing their very open support. Uh, Nikki, I, I don't get it, but I don't know. But let's, the, really the question for tomorrow in the, in the primary is how much does Trump win by? That's really the question. How much does Trump win by? And if it's anything close to what the most recent polling has been, it's Nikki Haley's going to be beaten like a government mule going into South Carolina, her home state, uh, in about three weeks. That's going to be nuts. That's just going to be plain nuts. And Nikki Haley, over the next little while after New Hampshire, has 15, 15 fundraising events all over the country, from all the way on the West Coast in San Francisco, all the way to New York and Manhattan and meeting with all of these billionaire mega donors to raise money in a primary she can't win. <laughs> I, I mean, why not? It was already sad enough when you looked at the money that was spent in Iowa by DeSantis and by uh, Haley. $250 million in ads and whatever. That's a quarter billion dollars, folks, that could have gone to all sorts of things that needs to be done. Voter registration, get out the vote, ballot chasers uh, in key states where they allow it. I mean, and yet, there's a big event uh, in Las Vegas that Charlie Kirk and Turning Point USA is going to be doing. And frankly, it's the call for the immediate resignation of uh, Rana McRomney McDaniel. This is crazy. This is stupid. Uh, I mean, oh my lord. It's already bad enough when you have establishment types uh, that essentially run the RNC. They kind of live by their own version of the golden rule because they have the gold, they make the rules. 
And frankly, there's no more debates. Thank God for that. Sorry, Trump didn't need to debate you, Nikki, or you, Ron, because he had stuff going on that absolutely busted busted y'all up. The ratings for Trump events, you knew it was going to be bad for all the other competitors when the very first Republican debate was an interview with Tucker Carlson and it went mega viral. I mean, nuclear type viral. Over 250 million, probably 260 million views all over social media. Holy cow, folks. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. It's not a question of if Trump will win, it's by how much. And if it's really a huge amount like it was in uh, last week in Iowa, Nikki's going to have to really rethink a lot of things. And I mean a lot of things. Especially, hey, you're just going to have to step out. I mean, are you going to somehow try to stay in there to go to your home state, which is next up after New Hampshire? Uh, No, because Trump is one, ahead in the polls. Two, he's, I mean, he's way ahead in the polls. Two, he's way ahead in endorsements. Way ahead. I mean, my gosh, from the governor of South Carolina on down to state legislators, state senators, I mean, done. It's a done deal. But let's see what happens because I really have this sneaking suspicion that Haley and all of her mega donor uh, paymasters are trying to somehow create a situation where Nikki Haley gets picked as vice president. Uh, Sorry, Uh, not sorry. It's not going to happen. Trump has made it quite clear he will not be picking Haley for vice president. Not going to happen. I mean, sure, there's speculation and there will be continual speculation for a while until uh, President Trump makes his choice known. But that uh, that's just you know through the normal course of presidential politics that time will come it, it, it will come but and I'll get back to a little bit more of uh, the whole New Hampshire primary thing but uh, breaking news that happened before I came on the air to record today's episode and it's a doozy it's just amazing Uh, From the Epic Times, headline, Divorce Records for Special Trump Prosecutor Tapped by Fannie Willis Unsealed. So this is a separate case where Fannie, big Fannie Willis, uh, up there in Fulton County, her lover, her boyfriend, Nathan Wade, who she tapped to be the special prosecutor, the lead prosecutor in the Trump case, is now having to deal with the extra scrutiny of the divorce 
that Nathan Wade has with his soon-to-be ex-wife, Jocelyn. And Fanny Willis is very, very much involved. I mean, way involved. But, of course, in the tradition of wackadoodle black liberalism, the victimhood card, and the race card, and the woman card, this is ridiculous. It's frankly quite ridiculous. And here, even to the point where Fannie Willis had the unmitigated gall to go to a church service in Atlanta, a predominantly black church, and go forth and just spill out how much she's a victim, she's a victim of racism, and because she's a black woman, and this and that and the other. I'm just going, whoa, Fanny. Girlfriend, uh, let me help. Let me help you some. With straighten you out on a few things. First of all, pulling that crap in a church on a Sunday morning is disgusting. Number one, that's just my personal opinion. Number two, just because you are a black woman does not mean you get exempt from doing stupid stuff. You committed adultery with a married man. And I don't know what her pastor's like, but hello, I think the Bible is quite clear on the subject of adultery. And now it's led to a divorce. Uh, that's bad enough. But the fact that she wants to go and be a victim is like, oh, it's, I'm just the target of racism. It's like, no, dear. You and your lover not only are corrupt to the core, you left a paper trail. Yeah, that's right, folks, because I know there are going to be people like, well, you should be very Christian and forgive. It's like, yeah, it's like, it's not, it's not my job to forgive. It's God's job. But the fact that she is a public official who has violated the public trust by getting into some serious stuff. I mean, ethics violations. Nathan Wade is not a prosecutor. He has very, very little, if any, prosecutorial experience. And going around, especially in a church, saying that, oh, I mean, we need, you know, because I'm a black woman, I need to be forget. I said, excuse me, I don't care if you're a black woman. I don't care if you're a white man. I don't care if you're Hispanic, Asian, whatever your ethnicity. Honey, you screwed the pooch so bad, dog breeders are in tears. You have violated the public trust of the voters of Fulton County. It's that simple. Stupidity doesn't discriminate. And pulling out the race card and the woman card and the victim card makes you pathetic, dear. Very pathetic. And frankly, as someone who is a follower of Jesus, I mean, you don't even have the integrity to say, I made a mistake and I apologize for it and I need to make it right to the people of Fulton County. I mean, my Lord, people. Ugh. Just going on through this a little bit down the, the story here in the Epic Times about this, apparently, one of, and I'm quoting from the story, 
One of the unsealed records showed shows that Mr. Wade was found in contempt in August of 2023 for failing to adequately provide discovery documents. An order that month said Mr. Wade could purge himself of contempt by delivering the documents. So you have Fannie Willis's boyfriend apparently also with the money that was gotten by uh, the taxpayers of Fulton County to pay for his lavish trips with Fanny and everything else, he also engaged, he was also found in contempt of court. In contempt of court. August of last year. That's not that far away. And yet, you know, so now he wants to play fast and loose with the judge. So now the judge in the case has already scheduled a hearing in February to look at these charges. Also, there have been reports that Fannie Willis has been subpoenaed by Jocelyn Wade's lawyer to testify in the divorce proceedings. Now, sorry for all you enablers there in Georgia, especially you crazy black folks. This woman is not worth it. She's not worth it. She's deranged. She's dishonest. She's a hypocrite. And God knows several other uh, things that can come to my mind, but I don't really want to get into that. But still, the fact that there is more and more and more of this corruption. I mean, we've all... Marco Polo... Uh, Garrett Ziegler has already found the documents where Nathan Wade built the White House. Build the White House. The White House Counsel's Office or whatever. Holy cow. That's pretty messed up, folks. And I know some people might want to somehow stand up for I said, you stand up for a woman like that in a high-profile trial. She's violated the public trust ethics violations up the wazoo and helped break up a marriage. I don't care about your morality. That's just wrong all across the board. It's all, it, in some ways, it reminds me of Speaker Mike Johnson. He goes out, oh, I'm a Christian. I have a biblical worldview. I have this. I have that. And yet, how many times has he screwed over the American people with all the deal-making that he did with Chuck Schumer and Hakeem Jeffries and, all, and Mitch McConnell? I'm sorry, but if you're going to call yourself a Christian, you need to be held to a higher standard. A much higher standard. Yeah, I know. It's like, and I'm sure some people are going to go, well, who the heck are you? I said, simple. I can tell you that right now. I'm no Boy Scout. I've done stupid stuff. Plenty of stuff. I've got more issues than a political candidate. But yet, I have to know, if I'm going to tell the truth, I need to keep, and I work, I work damn hard to try to keep my integrity to be a person of character, godly character. 
Is it easy? Absolutely not. But is it worth it to be a person of integrity, to keep your word, to show some character? Absolutely it's worth it. It's not, like I said, it ain't easy, it ain't fun, but it is worth it. And like I said earlier, for Fannie Willis to go out there and, you know, to a black church, because apparently there are enough black folks who go to church on Sunday who seem to be okay with this kind of fast and loose with the morals. But what can I do, folks? I don't live in I don't live in Fulton County and I just go I find it disgusting. I find it absolutely nothing short of disgusting. And of course there's going to be enough people, including Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, a Republican, who apparently is not and the Georgia GOP? Oh, the the Georgia legislature? Oh no. I have no respect for you because you had a chance to fix this, but you wouldn't. And then you go after uh, one of your own, State Senator Colton Moore, young man who's like, hey, we, we got to stop this. But nope. What did you do? Yeah, kick, you basically kicked him out, took away all his committee assignments. This is something that God is not playing around here. There are things that are being exposed and exposed and exposed, and it's unraveling. The lawfare against President Trump, the judge in the case, once he finishes this hearing and once the Supreme Court rules on whether or not uh, he can stay on ballots, because that 14th Amendment, I've already gone into it, it's worthless now. It is obsolete. And I will, and if you don't believe me, I mean, I think tomorrow I might just find uh, what I needed to show the historical facts. Not opinion, facts. Ugh, mercy. Ah, anyway, my friends. Uh, as I've gone on my rant, please forgive me, but one other thing I definitely would like to get into. Now, the World Economic Forum is meet, still meeting over in Davos, Switzerland. And there were a few conservatives who were actually invited uh, to speak. One of them is Dr. Kevin Roberts, the president of the Heritage Foundation. And just like Javier Malay, the new president of Argentina, oh, he just gave him an double-barreled earful and got up in their grill. Uh, but I don't want to try to take away the impact of uh, Dr. Roberts' words. I I'll let you just hear them for yourself and you decide. Is to explain to many people in this room and who are watching, with all due respect, nothing personal, but that you're part of the problem. Political elites tell the average people on three or four or five issues that the reality is X when in fact reality is Y. Take immigration. Elites tell us that open borders and even illegal immigration are okay. The average person tells us in the United States that both rob them of the American way of life. They're right. 
President Trump will take that on on behalf of the average American. Elites also tell us that public safety isn't a problem in big American cities. Just travel to New York or Washington or Dallas, Texas. The average person will tell you that the lack of public safety damages not just the American way of life, but their life. President Trump will take that on. Thirdly, I guess the favorite at the World Economic Forum is climate change. Elites tell us that we, we have this existential crisis with so-called climate change, so much so that climate alarmism is probably the greatest cause for mental health crisis in the world. The solutions, the average person know, based on climate change are far worse and more harmful and cost more human lives, especially in Europe during the time that you need heating, than do the problem and the problems themselves. Fourth, two more here, Robin. Okay. The fourth, China. The number one adversary, not just to the United States, but to free people on planet Earth. Not only do we at, at Davos not say that, we give the Chinese Communist Party a platform. Count on President Trump ending that nonsense. And fifth, as we sit here, another supranational organization, the World Health Organization, is discussing foisting gender ideology upon the global south. These are practices that are under review, if not being rejected, by countries in Northern Europe. The new president, especially if it's President Trump, will, as you like to say, trust the science. He will understand the basic biological reality of manhood and womanhood. And do you know why? Not because of retribution, not because he's a dictator, but because he has the power of the American people behind him. And it's connected to Senator Portman's excellent point that in addition to needing a vigorous executive, we look forward to having the popular will inform both the House and Senate in 2025 to pass laws on all of those issues and many others. Ultimately, Robin, I think President Trump, if in fact he wins a second term, is going to be inspired by the wise words of Javier Millet who said that he was in power not to guide sheep, but to awaken lions. That's what the average American and the average free person on planet Earth wants out of leaders. Wow, wow, and wow. Amen, Dr. Roberts. This is, it's not, oh wow. Javier Malay really started giving the what for to all these elites i mean my goodness jamie diamond the ceo of chase uh apparently is kind of seeing the handwriting on the wall and trying to cozy up to uh president trump and this and that i'm going uh-uh what the last words of dr roberts mean a lot and it has impact we are not he president malay did not get to power to guide sheep but to awaken lions i'm like oh mercy that right there that those words will hunt and preach that dog will hunt and preach for sure and this is a message not just to the united states but to the evangelical community yes we are not to be we're not going to be sheep led to the slaughter 
We are called to be lions. Lions and lionesses. It's not just, you know, a guy thing. It's men and women. We have to understand this is life in wartime. I've told people in my own church. I've told people uh, throughout the country, friends of mine. Uh, I've told uh, evangelicals. I've told my Catholic friends, even some of my Jewish friends. This is the time to stand up. It's the time to roar. The lions need to wake up and say, hold up, y'all. Forget this. Uh-uh. Not into it. That's for sure. And I'm right there with them. And so, yes, this is the commitment that I have made this year for our second year to stand up, to roar, to be totally okay with it and have no fear of man. Because I want my country back. And for all the woke weak progressive Christians out there who are getting into some weirded out stuff I said I'm, I'm not afraid of you and you know if you want to come after me knock yourself out you know or I'll do it for you I don't know I don't care but frankly and I've and I've said it and I know people are gonna have a problem with it but Trump's time is now this is a man who loves the country, who wants to restore the American dream instead of the dystopian nightmare foisted upon us by Joe Biden and all these Obama acolytes. We're done with it. We want to leave our kids a country that's worth loving, that gives them all kinds of opportunities to succeed. If we fail to do so, the kids, grandkids are going to curse this generation for not doing their job. And that might seem rough, but it's reality. We can't, we literally cannot afford this. We can't afford it financially. We can't afford it culturally. We can't afford it historically. We need to get off of our blessed assurance to my Christian brethren and sisters out there. Do your job. I know I'm rough, but hey, the what we're in right now is rough times. You know, some might even say it's the last days. I'm not really an eschatologist, but I tend to agree with it, given what's going on in our country and what's going on in the Biden regime. So yeah, life is kind of rough, but you know, the truth, to tell the truth is even tougher. And what's even tougher than that is to embrace that truth and do something about it, to come to action. And yes, instead of just doing what you normally do, you know, yes, pray and all of that, but not just that. You pray, you vote, you learn, you study. Because not everything is what it appears to be. And I'll give you a great example. Because Mike Johnson, the Speaker of the House, 
with all of his talk of being a Christian, of being a man with a biblical worldview. But every time he capitulates and compromises, he not only does damage to himself, he does damage to every other Christian politician in the country that wants to serve and get this country back on track. He's not helping his cause. He's not helping the cause of Christ. Yes, that's rough. Yes, I said it, but can anybody tell me any different? What has he done? Uh, the answer is nothing. And given the fact that he's already done another continuing resolution, which is supposed to go into March, I mean, it's kicking the can, kicking the can. It's cliche as all get out. But you know, hey... He had a chance to do some brilliant things, but he didn't have the courage and the backbone to do it. So don't tell me how Christian you are. Show me how Christian you are. Because I don't have time for this, and frankly, neither does God. Because there are things he's going to be doing that's going to mess up a whole bunch of people. And, I mean, I'm not going to preach, but I'm just going to just tell you the truth. Get real, get with the program, get with his program, and stop whining. You know, if you have a problem with it, sit down, have a cookie, and shut up. I don't have time for this, and neither does the country. And with that, my friends, I've got, I'm just going to call it a day today. I think I've done enough damage. But tomorrow is the New Hampshire primary. So if you're in New Hampshire, if you know people in New Hampshire, tell them to get out there and vote. Because frankly, the only thing that's going to help Nikki Haley and her only hope is that Democrats cross over and, and vote in the Republican primary, which is just weird. I mean, I don't even want to get into Chris Sununu, the governor, but anyway. Folks, God bless. Thank you so much. Uh, as always, you can send us email at inblackandright at gmail.com. You can also go to our website, inblackandright.net. You can also follow us, subscribe, get notified. We're on all uh, podcast platforms, big, small, and in between. And also, uh, you can find us on social media. Uh, X, uh, True Social, Getter, Facebook, Instagram. Yeah, we're there. So just look for in black and right. Or my name, Jerry Brooks. Anyway, my friends, take care. God bless you guys. See you tomorrow on Primary Day in New Hampshire. And as always, Patriots come in all colors. <laughs>